If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 653. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. If you're watching at YouTube, you want to support the show, click on that little heart underneath the super thanks button. You can throw a few pennies my way that way. Of course, you can always go to brianmcclanahan.com, B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Click on the support tab there. You can throw a few pennies my way. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook, the same title read by yours truly. Also support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. You've already heard about that, but you can purchase one or 20 of my courses or somewhere in between. That keeps this podcast free of charge. As always, though, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you like it. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. Send me those show requests. That keeps the show fresh and interesting to you. And, of course, this is how we grow the audience. I do appreciate all of your support. All right. Well, let's talk about the topic of the day. And this is a listener-generated episode. Someone sent this to me. If you didn't know it, over the weekend, Joe Biden fell off his bike. And this, of course, inevitably brings up the, the idea that Biden is unfit for office, that he's a bumbling idiot, You've got all the gaffes, the Biden gaffes out there. And, of course, people are, style, are, are starting now, and, of course, they were doing this before, uh, equating the Biden presidency to the Jimmy Carter presidency. And you have a lot of rumblings that the Democrats are going to drop Biden. This is a big issue. Here we are coming up on the midterms in 2022. Of course, just by saying midterms, you're buying into this idea of American executive government. But regardless, we're coming up on the 2022 elections. And, of course, the speculation is that the Republicans are going to go in a landslide in these elections. They're going to take back control of the House. They're going to take control of the Senate. It's still to be seen whether all this happens. And I've talked about this before. Maybe the Republicans are a little overconfident. And I also have to caution people. You know, I'm not so certain the Republicans are going to be much better than the Democrats on most things. And the way forward is really through the states and someone like Ron DeSantis. I'm going to talk about Ron DeSantis again this week and a Biden executive order, but I'll get into that later in the week. I want to focus on Biden, though, today and Jimmy Carter, because, of course, in 1980, Jimmy Carter was blown out in the 1980 presidential election by Ronald Reagan. We know in 76, Carter won pretty handily against Gerald Ford. Um, In fact, if you go back and look what the Republicans say about that now, you know, Reagan was a serious contender for for the nomination for the Republican Party in 76, He made this very famous speech after losing the nomination at the Republican convention in 76. And even his son, who's no fan of of Reagan, of his father, said that the the Republicans realized at that point that they picked the wrong guy. It should have been Reagan in 76. That would have been amazing um, in some ways, you know, historically. Would Reagan have beat Carter in 1976? Um, would would that have changed the entire trajectory of American history? If Reagan gets the nomination in 76 and Ford is out, and now it's Carter v. Reagan in 76, would the American public have been receptive to Ronald Reagan in 1976 when there was such an anti-Republican climate? In fact, in some ways, you could say that Reagan losing in 76 was more important for 80 and 84 than anything else because... 
By 1980, of course, Jimmy Carter is seen as bumbling through those four years in office, and then Reagan comes in and wins in a landslide, and then blows out uh, uh, Mondale, Walter Mondale, 1984, which of course was Jimmy Carter's vice president. So um, it was a it was a massive turnaround politically in the United States, beginning in the 1980s. But again, would Jimmy Carter have beaten Ronald Reagan in 1976? And if that happens, would Reagan have been the nominee in 1980? Or would he have seen somebody else? You know, would George H.W. Bush have been the nominee in 1980? And then Carter wins anyways. You know, so there's a lot of things that happen because of that one moment, 1976, where Reagan is knocked out of the nomination by Gerald Ford. And you might be seeing the same thing with the Democrats, right? I mean, so Joe Biden is not very popular, but Joe Biden is probably going to run again, and he's probably going to get the nomination again. So who the Republicans pick in, 19, in, in, in 2024 is going to be important. I was going to say 1980. Who the Republicans pick in 2024 is going to be important. Because are they going to go with someone like a Ron DeSantis, or are they going to let or make DeSantis wait another four years? Uh, and uh, perhaps you know something is going to change there. Or are they going to pick Trump again uh, in, in 2024? Is it going to be Biden v. Trump? I'm not so certain what they should do at this particular point. Depends on who they get. Now, if Joe Biden is not the nominee in 2024, they definitely need to use DeSantis. But if Joe Biden is the nominee, you might see another attempt for Trump. I, I don't know. The stupid party is going to do whatever the stupid party wants to do. But regardless, um, this comparison between Joe Biden and Jimmy Carter is inevitable again because they're both seen as weak presidents. You've got high inflation. It's, you know, basically, you're going to have stagflation. I mean, that's the worry now. We're going to see high inflation with a stagnant economy. We're going to go into a recession, but inflation is going to keep going up. This is exactly what happened in the late 70s. And Jimmy Carter, of course, puts Paul Volcker at the head of the Federal Reserve, and he jacks interest rates up to a point that, I mean, you were lucky to get 12 or 13% on your mortgage in 1980 if you could get it. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, of course, very, very famous Hank Williams Jr. song, Country Boy Can't Survive, and he's, the interest is up and the stock market's down, right? And you're going to get mugged if you go downtown. This is, this is where we are again in 2022. And I think the, the reaction to that could be something very similar to the 1980s if the Republicans play their cards right. Now, again, is this going to change the political climate in America or are we just going to get more of the same nonsense I think that uh, generally Americans are starting to get sick of the woke left and they're starting to push back. But I want to talk about this article that came out in Revolver. And the title is, Don't Compare Biden to Carter. Joe's Not Fit to Shine Jimmy's Shoes. I agree with this 100%. Joe Biden and Jimmy Carter are going to be tied together perhaps as one-term Democrat presidents. But in terms of who they are as men, there's not even a comparison. Jimmy Carter is a much better man than Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a lying, philandering, plagiarizing nobody. I mean, he, he really is a nobody. He was a senator from the, one of the smallest states in the United States. He had a good political machine in Delaware, and he was able to, to use that to his advantage and stay in the Senate for a long period of time. But everyone in Delaware knows who Joe Biden is. He likes to lie. He's boisterous. He likes to talk about how smart he is. Of course, he's not really... Um, and this this piece is so good because it pulls out all these different videos from back in the 80s when Joe Biden was running for president the first time. You know, Joe Biden always wanted to be president. 
And he had to drop out several times because all the I mean, Democrats didn't even like him. They, oh, Joe, you're plagiarizing. Joe, you're lying. Joe, you're. I mean, this is what people knew about Joe Biden. But the fact is, you know, Joe Biden was the vice president under Barack Obama. And of course, he had to be vice president because Obama believed he had to get conservative Democrats on board. Of course, uh, whether that worked or not, Obama would have won regardless of who the vice presidential nominee was, because Obama was playing the race card. This is exactly what Bill Clinton said. So uh, Biden has been put into office because he is someone that the Democrats can manipulate. And they're seeing it over and over again. Um, Though, I mean, Biden has stood his ground on some things that he just won't buckle on. But the, the piece begins, Jimmy Carter comparisons are all the rage these days. And uh, he, they put a couple of tweets, you know, um, Jim Jordan, uh, Ted Cruz uh, says that Jimmy Carter 2.0 is worried about being seen as Jimmy Carter 2.0. And you have Jim Jordan saying Joe Biden is the new Jimmy Carter. He, the piece says even Kamala Harris described America as being in a state of malaise under Joe Biden's leadership. And then, of course, there's a video to Jimmy Carter's malaise speech. Now, I've talked about that malaise speech before on this podcast. And um, I, I mean, it's, it's an important speech. And it's not as bad as people think it is. In fact, what Jimmy Carter was was saying there was it was make America great again. This this speech was written by Pat Cadell. This is what's so funny about people in history, and you hear this all the time when when I tell people I wrote a book on you know bad presidents. Oh, is Jimmy Carter at the top? If they're if they're if they're Republicans, that's the first thing they're going to say. Is Jimmy Carter at the top? Well, no, he actually didn't even make the book. Uh, the top of the list would be someone like Woodrow Wilson or Abraham Lincoln, but. Um, you know, Jimmy Carter's not in there. I wrote a very nice piece about Jimmy Carter, the last Republican president, lowercase r. It's in, um, it's in Southern Scribblings if you want to pick up that book. But um, Jimmy Carter is someone who is maligned, but perhaps shouldn't be, particularly as a person. Uh, Jimmy Carter is a Southern gentleman, without question. You can disagree with Jimmy Carter's politics, and certainly I do, on many issues, But Jimmy Carter was a good person. Now, there's other people that would say that Carter was a lot of show, too. And I've I've had this happen. You know, well, uh, Jimmy Carter would carry his own bags until he got to the, uh, there's nothing in it. He'd get to the chopper and, you know, hand it off and he'd get in. Um, So there was certainly an image there. You know, Carter driving his own car and these kind of things. These are things that Carter would do to uh, show he was a man of the people. And perhaps, you know, some of this was Hollywood. It was show. But regardless, I mean, Carter walks in his inaugural is something that you know nobody else uh, has done since. And I mean, perhaps for security reasons, you know, when Joe Biden's out riding his bike and he falls over, you've got about twenty Secret Service agents around him, and in, in you know, no time at all uh, because he's on the ground. So the piece says the Biden-Carter comparison is a natural one, and not just because Biden shares Carter's gruesome approval ratings. Both had to cope with similar problems: inflation, an energy shock, Russian assertiveness and the implosion of the American Middle East ally. Both inspired widespread feeling that the American superpower was over the hill and soon to be surpassed by foreign rivals. And then there's the personal dimension. Joe Biden was the first U.S. senator to endorse Carter for president all the way back in 1975, when Carter was a long-shot dark horse candidate for the Democratic nomination. Unfortunately for Joe Biden and the American people, however, Joe Biden isn't half the man Jimmy Carter was, despite the hilarious optical illusion captured in this viral fish lens photograph. And of course, it's um, how large Joe Biden and, uh, and uh, his wife look next to uh, Jimmy Carter and his wife, right? So 
Um, it's pretty funny. Now, the piece says, Joseph Robinette Biden only wishes that he could be mentioned in the same breath as Jimmy Carter. But in reality, the comparison between the two only shows just how far the U.S. has fallen. Carter's presidency was so disastrous that in 1980, he suffered the worst landslide loss of any incumbent president in history. Only time will tell if Biden suffers the same fate, if he even lives that long. But we're ready to say that Say it right now. If we had to choose between Uncle Jimmy and Old Joe, we're taking the peanut farmer from Georgia every day of the week. Let us explain. So then the piece is going to go into all the ways that Jimmy Carter is better than Joe Biden. And there's no doubt about this. One thing that's interesting about Jimmy Carter, he's lived in the same house. I mean, he built a little ranch house. He still lives in it. Right? J Jimmy Carter didn't go out and buy a home in Martha's Vineyard and here and there like the Obamas. And um, he still lives in a very small middle-class home. It still is very much decorated like it was in the 1970s. They haven't changed. Um, and you know, Jimmy Carter still was conducting you know, Bible school at his church. Um, he still builds for Habitat for Humanity. Jimmy Carter really didn't change that much when he left the White House. There's this video out there of... Uh, in 1981, when Carter comes home, right, he flies in on the helicopter and um, he gets out. And of course, uh, there's all kinds of people waiting. You can tell he's not happy about this. You can tell that Jimmy Carter is down. But they take him into a, a workshop and the Sears in the area has bought all these tools for Jimmy Carter to work with, right? Can you imagine anybody doing that today? That the, the local Sears went out and they bought all these craftsman tools for the president to go and do some woodworking. I mean, Jimmy Carter was a different kind of person in the presidency. Joe, I mean, Joe Biden, none of that. Donald Trump, Barack Obama, uh, George W. Bush. Now George W. Bush paints, right? So that, that's, uh, but his paintings are awful. Anyways, so the piece continues. Jimmy Carter was a naval officer who heroically prevented a catastrophic nuclear meltdown. Joe Biden is a third-rate demagogue accused of graft who graduated at the bottom of Syracuse Law. This is all true. Uh, and it says, uh, Most people have never heard the story of Jimmy Carter lowering himself into a nuclear reactor and preventing the world's first nuclear meltdown. But the New York Port Post has the details of the story. As the story goes, the Plains Georgia native planned his entire life to join the Navy and did so when he received his appointment at the Naval Academy in 1942. After graduating with distinction, Carter spent two years completing his service ship duty before signing on to the submarine force. Following a series of relocations and promotions, the young lieutenant would request to join Captain Hyman G. Rickover's nuclear sub program, where they're developing the world's first atomic subs. Rickover then sent Carter to work for the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission, where he served on temporary duty with the Naval Re uh, Reactors Branch. Meanwhile, a few months later, an accidental power surge at Chalk River Laboratories in Ottawa caused fuel rods within a nuclear research reactor to rupture and melt, risking a full nuclear meltdown. It was the first such incident of its kind, and Carter's team of 23 men was ordered to clean it up. And a scene straight out of modern-day blockbusters, the operation would require the brave men to descend into the core by rope and pulley so they could deconstruct the reactor bolt by bolt. The lab had set up a duplicate reactor as a training field for Carter's team, who would get only one shot at the real thing. Each man would have to descend into the core and complete their high-flying tasks in 90-second spurts as exposure to toxic radiation within the reactor posed a high risk to the long-term health. The plan went off without a hitch. The core was shut down and then rebuilt. From there, Carter went on to become the engineering officer for the USS Seawolf, one of the first submarines to operate on, on atomic power. By 1961, he retired from the Navy and reserves, and in 1963, ran for his first political office. I mean, this is an amazing 
story. In fact, I mean, he was going to be potentially exposed to lethal amounts of radiation. Can you, can you imagine Joe Biden doing anything like this? In fact, this is why Jimmy Carter was such a proponent of nuclear energy. By, uh, Carter wanted more nuclear power plants in the United States. He was all in favor of green energy, but he considered nuclear power to be green energy. He thought it was better than coal and better than natural gas and then oil and any of that. So we should have nuclear power, which is amazing because, of course, nowadays the green people don't want to even touch nuclear power. But um, nuclear power is a clean form of energy. Now, the, po the, the piece continues. Jimmy Carter was indeed an expert in reactor technology and nuclear physics who served as a submariner in the Navy, rising to the rank of lieutenant. And Joe Biden? He's a liar or a fabricator who claimed to finish the top half of his class at Syracuse Law School when actually he finished near the bottom. Biden's infamous lying meltdown went the equivalent of viral back in the day. The angry senator angrily snapped at a voter claiming he had a much higher IQ than you. This is, this is typical Joe Biden. He still did this stuff in, in uh, 2020 when he was campaigning. You know, this is the snap at the guy in, uh, in the factory called him out on firearms and everything else. I mean, this is what Joe Biden does. This is what he's always done. He's always been mentally imbalanced. Combined with a plagiarism scandal, Biden's lies and exaggerations forced him to drop out of the 1988 presidential race. Biden even went so far as to plagiarize an Irish politician's speeches, even lifting his life story nearly word for word. Real Clear Politics thoroughly chronicled Joe Biden's history of plagiarism in a report which featured this extremely egregious example, emphasis ours. Quote, the most egregious example is described by Maureen Dowd when it happened, occurred in, on August 23, 1987, during a debate with, at the Iowa State Fair. Biden had been lifting entire lines of his stock stump speech from Britain's then Labor Party leader, Neil Kinnock, who was campaigning for prime minister across the pond. He, Biden, lifted Mr. Kinnock's closing speech with phrases, gestures, and lyrical Welsh syntax intact for his own closing speech, Dow reported for the New York Times. As reporters dug deeper, they found more. Biden didn't just steal Kinnock's political rhetoric. He appropriated his life story, including a coal mining grandfather. This was worse than it looked. Kinnock's Welsh grandfather did work in the mines. Biden's, although he lived in Pennsylvania coal country, sold cars. Did Biden believe that British politics was so removed from America's experience that he could get away with it? Maybe, but if that were the case, Biden would have ripped off lines almost directly from John F. Kennedy and his brother Robert Kennedy, right? So this is what Biden is known for. Plagiarism, lying, uh, embellishing his own record. Jimmy Carter didn't do any of that. We could go on and on about Joe Biden, his brother James, his son Hunter, and their alleged corrupt business transactions and foreign dealings, but you already know all the details. Meanwhile, Jimmy Carter is always shunned, chasing after riches, living modestly into old age in a small house in his Georgia hometown. When it comes to character, there is simply no comparison. Joseph Robinette Biden is so thoroughly outclassed by Jimmy Carter that they aren't even in the same stratosphere. And the piece says Carter actually had the slightest idea what he was doing, what was going on as president. Say whatever you will about Carter as president, he was actually the president. In fact, one of Carter's chief shortcomings as chief executive was his propensity to try and micromanage every aspect of the vast federal apparatus, like it was his old Georgia peanut farm. Carter notoriously poured over thick briefing books and personally double-checked the arithmetic of budgetary tables. Even for the first few months of his presidency, personally approved requests to use the White House tennis court. This sort of micromanagement created all kinds of problems, but nobody ever had the sinking feeling that nobody was at the helm of the White House. Nobody ever had to endure President Carter doing something like this. And, of course, they have a 
a, a, a piece where it's Joe Biden on Jimmy Kimmel and he's just rambling on and on or a video of you know Biden's gaffes. I mean, this is where Jimmy Carter was not rambling through the presidency. Um, now, you could say that there have been times when presidents have done this. I mean, there is speculation Ronald Reagan was already suffering from Alzheimer's in the last years of his administration, that he was kind of rambling through some things. Uh, you know, of course, Donald Trump is often cited as that. George H.W. Bush, maybe. Bush was clueless at the end of his administration. This is the very famous deer-in-the-headlights look in 1992 when it was Perot and Clinton and Bush on stage. And uh, a lady in the audience asked a very stupid question. And uh, Bush didn't really know how to answer it. And then Clinton gets up and just delivers a home run, right? I'll tell you about this. I'll tell you when that factory closes down, I know those people. I know people are hurting. I know this. And, of course, they cut away to Bush, and he has this very, you know, he didn't, didn't even know what hit him, right? It's deer in the headlights. And that was the image that people had of the old, bumbling George H.W. Bush. And Biden has that kind of thing, right? He's the grandfather that comes to your, to your event, and he just talks about things, and he rambles on and on. Yeah, okay, yeah, Grandpa, okay. Uh, that's Joe Biden. And, of course, that Joe Biden is different from the 1980s Joe Biden, which was nothing short of being a just complete jerk. Uh, I mean, Joe Biden still has that, that, that streak to him, right? I mean, you see it every now and then. It comes out. But Joe Biden is a bumbling fool now. Uh, and Jimmy Carter was not that. Jimmy Carter was a young man when he was president. And Jimmy Carter knew what he was doing to an extent, right? Uh, part three, Carter's energy crisis wasn't entirely self-inflicted. The economic stagnation of the 1970s was caused and defend, defined by a sharp increase in the price of oil. Before World War, before World War II, America produced a majority of the world's oil and was completely self-sufficient. But with dramatic growth in global demand and declining U.S. production, in the 1950s and 60s, America increasingly turned to imports. This left it profoundly vulnerable to the OPEC oil embargo of 1973, as well as the shock of the Shah's overthrow in Iran six years later. Carter's first response to the energy, rising energy prices? Begging Americans to put on a sweater. And of course, that's what people remember about Jimmy Carter. Just put on a sweater. Turn up, turn up the thermostat in the summer, turn down the thermostat in the winter, and put on a sweater. That actually wasn't actually what Carter did. Carter inherited a heavily regulated oil regime from the Nixon years with price controls on oil that suppressed production and led to shortages. Although supposedly to Nixon's left, Carter chucked these price controls, allowing U.S. oil production to surge from newly developed fields such as uh, Prudhoe Bay in Alaska. From 1970 until Carter took office, U.S. daily oil production had fallen nearly 20%. Carter reversed that trend. When Carter looked to increase U.S. energy output, he looked everywhere. In his famous Malay speech, he even boasted about America's vast reserves of coal. What Carter did not do was intentionally target U.S. production to placate radicals in his party who hate the, all the trappings of modern civilization. Carter never froze all new drilling permits in the U.S. right before instigating an embargo with Russia. He never canceled a major pipeline because self-described water protectors surely, surely demanded. For Carter, the energy shortage was a difficult problem to solve, not the intended byproduct of far-left policy priorities. And this is true. Look, Carter was interested in ensuring that energy for Americans was something that people could get. And remember, uh, if, you, if you didn't live through that time, you had gas lines, right? People waiting in line to get gasoline. Of course, your, your automobiles got like eight miles of the gallon. I mean, people didn't care. You just kind of bathed in gasoline at one point. Um, but this is why you saw some of the ridiculous cars in the 1980s, like the Chrysler K car and some of these things that came out because of you know, fuel efficiency standards and other things. But 
The fact is, Carter was trying to find energy. He was willing to do nuclear. He was willing to do coal and oil and everything else. He wanted Americans to have enough energy to power their homes, their businesses, their cars, transportation, to power the economy, the factories, everything we needed. Farms, we needed this stuff. I mean, there's talk about now farmers not having enough money to buy the diesel fuel they need to get the food out of the ground. I mean, this is amazing stuff. So that's completely different. I agree with this. Carter and Biden don't have anything in common here. Carter doomed his political future to beat inflation. The single biggest reason that Biden era feels like Carter redo is the return of inflation. Before the Biden malaise, Americans had been able to comfortably ignore inflation for a good 40 years. But in the 1970s, inflation was a relentless and oppressive force. And each year of Carter's presidency, inflation went up. By 1980, inflation was running at a shocking 13.5%. I can almost predict right now that's going to seem low. I think we're looking at inflation going to be 20, 25% at some point, maybe even higher um, per year. And this is because of the amount of money that's been dumped in the economy over the last couple of years by the federal government. This is something the Austrian economists have been, ta- have been talking about for years. And of course, the Fed was keeping things uh, supposedly in check because they put interest rates at zero. So uh, that was helping things ostensibly, but that couldn't go on forever. And now they're going to jack it up to three and a half percent. And of course, this is, that's even low. I mean, you're probably going to be seeing if the Fed really wants to get, get uh, serious about tackling inflation, they're going to be looking at 15, 20% interest rates again. And that's what they're going to have to do to pull this money out of the economy. But Carter understood this. But if Carter helplessly flailed against inflation for most of his presidency, his final year, he had finally set the stage for it to be fixed. One of Carter's most consequential decisions was his appointment of Paul Volcker as Federal Reserve Chair in 1979. Volcker was an inflation hawk. Carter's age warned him that Volcker would hike interest rates and trigger a recession to halt inflation. Volcker even told Carter he was going to do exactly that in an interview before his appointment. During confirmations hearings, Volcker said halting inflation was his number one priority. And as chairman, Volcker delivered. In 1980, the federal fund rate hit a record 20%. The result was a short but severe recession. Unemployment approached 8%. It would surpass 10% early in the Reagan administration. People protested outside the Federal Reserve, but Volcker held firm, and both Congress and the president let him execute his policy. Within a few years, the necessary pain had passed, paving the way for more than two decades of largely consistent growth. Carter himself later rued that the Volcker choice in his memoirs, it doesn't matter, whether it was by accident or out of desperation, Carter made the call that ended the 1970s stagflation cycle, inflicted a sharp but necessary correction, and paved the way for decades of healthier economic growth. One thing this piece um, doesn't mention, of course, he talks about deregulation with oil, but Carter was interested in deregulating just about everything. In the 1960s, from the 40s through the 60s, you saw heavy regulation in the American economy coming out of World War II. And Carter rolled back most of that stuff. I mean, all kinds of things. Telecommunication was a big one, uh, but the oil industry. I mean, Carter was interested in deregulation of certain important sectors in the American economy, and he doesn't really get credit for that, but he should. Will Biden follow the same path? Indicators aren't good. A pending inflationary crisis was obvious from the moment Biden took office, yet for the first year's administration, reaction resembled that of an incompetent Latin American socialist. First, Biden simply denied inflation was happening. In July 2021, his administration would only concede that inflation might get as high as 3% by year's end. It was 6.7% for the year. 
When inflation became undeniable, Biden and his allies shifted to blaming greedy corporations for rising prices, as if corporations trying to make money is a novel idea first thought up last year. But we shouldn't be shocked. If Kamala Harris is any indication, things cost more money appears to be the Biden administration's default understanding of inflation. And of course, Kamala Harris is just as stupid as Joe Biden, perhaps more so. Afghanistan versus Ukraine. In the 1980s, war in Afghanistan was much like today's war in Ukraine. In both cases, America waged a proxy war by arming the targets of a Russian invasion. In both cases, the American people uh, valorized the recipients of their support, even if they were not objectively that admirable. Ukraine's government is a corrupt, authoritarian kleptocracy. In both cases, the wisest response for America would have been to steer clear of the conflict entirely. But at least Carter's proxy war in Afghanistan was actually proxy conflict a way for the U.S. to weaken an enemy without spending outrageous sums. When Carter launched Operation Cyclone, the CIA effort to support the Mujahideen, Mujahideen, I'm sorry, its funding was $50 million, or about $200 million in today's terms. Currently, America is spending more than $200 million per day to support Ukraine. We have already committed $54 billion to back in the Kiev government. That's only enough to, let, to last them through September. When Biden goes back to Congress, hat in hand, next fall to ask for even more money, had already have spent more than $50 billion, more than the $50 billion America spent on the 10-year Afghan proxy war from beginning to end. There are differences too, and once again, all of them are to Biden's detriment. After the Soviet invasion, Carter imposed a grain export embargo, which hurt U.S. farmers while having little impact on Soviet policies. That was a waste, but fell, short of fault, that fell far short of Biden's efforts to cancel Russia and transform it into a continent-sized version of North Korea. Plus, some CIA propagations aside, the war in Afghanistan wasn't substantially Carter's fault, while the Biden administration's dogmatic refusal to negotiate played a central role in what is now the largest European war since 1945. Um, the war in, yeah, well, the CIA provocation. The war in Afghanistan, that would be a whole other podcast topic. But it, yeah, it wasn't uh, Carter's fault, but it, it was America's fault. Uh, with Afghanistan. So there is something there to that. But again, that would be another another podcast in and of itself. The piece says, unlike Carter, Amer under Carter, uh, America still at a border. Jimmy Carter is no hero on immigration. He did much to create the modern bait and switch on illegal immigration, where prior legal aliens were, are given amnesty in return for future border security that never materializes. Carter also dramatically increased refugee admissions into the United States. Nevertheless, Carter did, uh, still did see illegal immigration as undesirable and wanted it to actually stop. It only became illegal for businesses to knowingly hire illegal immigrants in 1986, but the measure President Reagan signed into law was not Reagan's idea. It was Carter's. This is interesting because the Democrats for a long time used to be against illegal immigration. Uh, you look at Cesar Chavez out in California. I mean, Chavez was a firm opponent of illegal immigration. He was all for legal immigration, but he wanted illegal immigration to stop. And that's because Chavez saw illegal immigration as a method of driving down wages. So um, if you had all these illegal immigrants coming in, you're not going to hire legal immigrants. You're not going to hire people that are in unions, for example. You're going to hire these illegal immigrants that make nothing because that's how uh, you 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 make more money if you're a contractor, a farmer, or you know construction contractor. You hire people that aren't going to get paid much of anything, and so uh, Carter and the Democrats at one time wanted all that to stop because they wanted unions, right? They wanted wages to come up with unions. So this is this is where you know Jimmy uh, Joe Biden is um, 
at times you seem so clueless because of things like, well, you know, if we want to stop inflation, let's have more unions. So he, he just doesn't get it, right? I mean, th- this is the problem. Biden's still living in all these different, uh, you know, different little pockets of the world that were you know, Democrat talking points, but they don't all fit together because it's not really the problem that we're facing right now. Biden, in contrast, has knowingly created a camp of the saints calamity at the border. Migrants are flooding into the U.S. at a rate of $2 million a year, throwing out all the gains of the Trump administration, while DHS Secretary uh, Mayorkas has essentially ended enforcement of the hiring laws Carter first requested 45 years ago. Jimmy Carter's immigration policy may have been disappointing, but old Joe's is a national suicide. Um, Right, Carter has basically stopped enforcing the border. Now, this is another issue with the states. You know, the state the states could do all this. If you if the states controlled immigration, you would see you know, Texas, um, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, all these states would be stopping immigration into those states. Now, you might you know, California would be wide opening. I've said this before on this podcast, but the states could really handle these things by by punting responsibility to the central authority, or just by thinking that it's all the central authority. This is half the problem. And finally, Carter didn't have the Carter administration to look back on as a warning. As rough as things went for Mr. Carter, he at least had one ironclad defense. He was the first coming of Jimmy Carter, not the second. The problems facing his government were in many cases unprecedented. The energy crisis of the 1970s was the first time oil prices played such a dramatic role in the U.S. economy or foreign policy. The Islamic Revolution in Iran was the first such revolution in America's long Middle East quagmire. 1970 stagflation was the first coming of stagflation, so novel that the major economic theories of the time couldn't explain it. Biden and his team have no such limitation. Biden need only reach into his own rapidly decaying memories to remember what Carter did and what happened to his presidency and his party. That Biden and his team continue forward as they do show the central difference between these two disastrous presidencies. The Carter administration was struggling and failing to save an out-of-control airplane, the Biden administration is flying the plane straight into the ground. Right, so, I mean, look, character-wise, there's no comparison between, between the two. Um, Joe Biden should know better. America should know better on these things. Um, and for, unfortunately, we just don't. And, and it's part of that is because of the disease of nationalism and central, you know, central authority worshiping government from the left and the right. Even in the 1970s, uh, Americans still had a belief that the state should do things that uh, we needed to do what's in, in, but the nationalism of the '70s, in some ways, was still different than nationalism today. You know, we need to do what's best for America overall, and we're not going to be uh, beholden to some minority group who wants to stop a pipeline. But what's best for America is to have that pipeline, and we'll figure it out later. Try to mitigate the impact of that as best we can. I mean, this was what people were interested in back in the 1970s and 80s. We've lost all of that in the 21st century. Um, so, I mean, we live in two different Americas now, and it's clear just by our social policies we live in two different Americas now. But regardless, I thought this piece was very good, and thanks for the listeners sending it to me and so I could cover it. Jimmy Carter was a much better president than people give him credit for, um, and, and if nothing else, in terms of Carter as a man and his character, Joe Biden should go down as one of the worst presidents in American history, and I think he will by the time he's out of office in a couple of years. All right. See you tomorrow on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.